Hello, my name is Kimberly Martin, and you're listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Opinions expressed on this show are totally mine and do not reflect the opinions of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County and other shows, please go to KUCI.org. Bye, but not working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Heather is making fun of me if you're tuning in. This is Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, and apparently I'm not as dull as my intro. (laughs) No, no, not at all. No. (laughs) Um, Well, okay, good. Then we don't want anybody to think the show is boring. So why don't you help me fix it? Because you're an expert. Yeah, we do do need to fix that. It sounds like you're being taken in a hostage crisis. And (laughs) if you ever want to hear from Kimberly Martin again, you'll dial the certain phone number and drop the panda off at the bridge. And apparently the use of totally is not... You know my my more normal vernacular. So. <laughs> well, it would have been funny if you said it, Valley Girl. Like all the pins <laughs> totally. are like like totally mine. To- it could be totally just, mine, but yeah, it's totally not me. So I, were you on a lot of downers when you made that? No, <laughs> no. I was having a okay. lot of fun with uh, a fellow co-host Elizabeth Zero. Uh-huh. And um, we were on Zero Talk, and we were having a blast. But maybe I was just taking the whole thing too seriously. Yeah. It sounds like you just tightened up and became rigid. Maybe like I was holding Hello. my breath the whole time? Yeah. I'm Heather McCoy. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I'm not. No, I'm yeah. just teasing. Anyways, yeah. Well, okay, so I, I haven't talked to you in a while. It's been a whole entire – it's been totally a week. It's been a week, yeah. And um, I want to know about your weekend. Because I, for the first time in a long time, actually did something on a holiday weekend. And so I can't wait to share. But you... my, my weekend was painfully dull. Um, I had a baseball game that I had to engineer on Friday. Uh, Saturday, I don't know what I did Saturday. I think I just, like, vegged out because I was working at least six days in a row. And then right. um, Sunday I did another baseball game. And as well as watch the Indy 500. And then I had, on Sunday as well, I, I my friend Sarah Nath that does light, uh, Lightwave to Stark Matter, we went out to, we went out to dinner together. And oh, any just, place wonderful? Yeah, um, it's a place in Orange, not close, you know, pretty close to my house called the Filling Station. And Oh, I've been to the Filling yeah. Station. They serve dinner there? I've only been there for lunch. Yeah, they, um, I think they're under new management, and so they increased their hours, and their menus changed a little bit, and... Um, the mashed, their mashed potatoes is, are to die for. And so uh, they also did very good um, steamed vegetables, which is something that I usually don't care for. I usually like vegetables in their natural state, but they did a very good job with As it. As in raw? Veggies yes. in the raw? Yes. Yeah, like steamed, it just kind of – things hit my gag reflex very easily. Iceberg <laughs> lettuce hits it. Um, tomatoes <laughs> hit it regularly. Um, so it was, Wait, it was really awesome. you don't like tomatoes? No, it's Tomatoes? I can have a little bit of a tomato and I think it tastes okay, but then when it gets down, you know, near your throat, something happens and I it gives me a gag reflex where I just feel like I'm going to lose the whole tomato up with the rest of everything else I ate. And then I just get over it eventually. Well, you would not make a very good Italian then. <laughs> I would not make a good Italian and I would not make a very good chef. So that, those are two things I've just decided not to do. 
Well, that's a really um, awkward, well, I mean, not very sophisticated segue, but I, no. I don't know if I told you this. <laughs> what did Maybe you I do? Maybe I did a little bit. Well, I'm going to tell you, but oh. our, today's guest um, we're going to talk to is um, Tiziana Trovati, and she is- Very Italian. Very Italian. <laughs> so I just was setting you up for, okay. I don't know, your eventual failure. I do like- I do like- <laughs> I do like garlic bread Italian. and lasagna, and um, I, I love the Godfather one and two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, you count. <laughs> Although, um, well, so this weekend, my husband has been playing volleyball for about 20 years, and he spends as much time as he can get down to the beach playing volleyball, and it's kind of become our family sport. I guess it's, I said for the rest of the family, I don't get to engage in any sports where, where my husband is concerned because he usually takes them too seriously. Too competitive. That that Way was my guess. Way too competitive. Yeah. When um when we when when I finally was doing a little bit better at playing tennis, I said, "Oh come on, honey, come out and hit the ball with me," and he goes, oh, "Must I?" You know, because he thinks he thinks if you're an athlete, you can span every sport and do every sport well if you're a good athlete. I mean, maybe that's true. I don't know. But it took me a while to get my game on. And um, when I thought, when I was feeling confident, I took him out with me. And we started hitting the ball, and he would hit the ball nowhere near me, and it really irritated me. And I said, you know, we're out here to hit the ball back and forth. And he goes, no, I, we're out here for me to win. He goes, why would I hit the ball near you? I said, so I could hit it back to you, and we could play tennis. And he goes, that's not playing tennis. He, he goes, tennis is like every other sport. It's about winning, and if I'm going to hit the ball near you, then I'm not playing tennis. I'm just hitting the ball back and forth. I can take – my brother and I can take that – down a notch, and we can just hit the ball back and forth. See, but so isn't that much more enjoyable? It is, and he's a way better athlete, and he uh, never took a tennis lesson in his life. And then there's a guy in our apartment complex that you can tell he went to tennis camp. He has a fluid form. He has a perfect backstroke. And my brother looks really ghetto when he hits his <laughs> tennis ball, but, but he, he can take him on. I mean, they do matches once in a while, and, and right. he gives them all he can get. So, I mean, um, there is a certain athlete that can just be pretty much good at anything without, you know, doing that much practice. And my brother is one of those rare people. Well, such is the case with my husband. He um, who would like me to mention that publicly, that he's an excellent athlete. <laughs> Sometimes he says things like, don't you want to come down to the beach, honey, and watch me? And I think to myself, well, no, not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> Must I? <laughs> so, well, this weekend was one of those things. I should also mention. You should just you have, go down there and let your eyes wander to other people. Oh yeah, well yeah. <laughs> well, we usually we usually pick up a lot of uh, chatting because they play um, they play pretty competitively and they play matches and then they challenge each other on the courts. So there's usually about I don't know four or five courts set up and then they all go back and forth and they have some people that they couple up with. It's two man volleyball, so it's it's rigorous on yeah. the sand. It's not an easy. Well, thing I mean, to your do. your footing is really hard because when you have to change direction, the sand isn't something it's like solid experiencing. Like, like a carpet or, or grass, and right. you it's really hard to move. And the so, effort on the sand is significantly greater than it would be if you were playing on a court. Likewise, though, the people that play sand volleyball are not at all interested in playing um, on a court because they're used to diving. That's their whole strategy is based on diving. And oh, you can dive would... on a hard court. Oh, not not comfortably. Oh yeah, well I watch college women's volleyball all the time, and Do you they've watch got it here knee, at UCI? knee pads. And um, no, I haven't watched it in a while because we don't have cable. Oh. But when we had ESPNU, um, I'd watch the great Stanford teams with um, Ren Kehoe and stuff. And wow, 
I can't remember their other names, but well, you're moment. impressing me so far. Oh well, thank you. Well, my husband made certain that he uh, went to see UCI do very well in the finals, and um, the UCI men's team won the national championship. Okay, sorry. Okay, yeah. now I'm showing my ignorance. <laughs> I think he was at that game with his son. His son plays volleyball, okay, uh, college level, and there there were a lot of friends at the UCLA and in the UCI team that they knew. So it was really fun for them. I to think watch. they played USC in the final. No, it was UCLA, wasn't it? Oh God, you're really making me. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna tell my husband to avoid listening to this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the reason I know so well is uh, I do the I engineer you the blue and gold report, so oh, I, okay. I I know a lot more about UC athletics. Well, than see, most people. you weren't letting on, well, acting all shy about the names of the players and yeah. So all right. Well, so my weekend consisted of me forcing myself down to the beach more than I normally go. Okay. And sitting as a spectator because I, you know, at, first of all, it's really hard for me because they play with all these beautiful young women that are in phenomenal shape. And I have been staying home the last fifteen years making babies and and dinners. <laughs> what is this? An episode of Big Love? Uh, do you have sister wives? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't mind an arrangement like that, but um, but no, so he has fun. So I got to go down and catch up with everybody I see maybe once a year uh-huh. and then meet some of the people that knew my husband was married but never knew to whom. So oh, so that's what we did. We took the kids down and for three days in a row, uh, witnessed everybody playing sand volleyball. So uh, the segue into today's guest, Tiziana Trovati, my new Italian friend. Almost forgot about her. (laughs) She's sitting so quietly in the studio watching us gab about silliness. Um, But she and I got to spend some time on the sand. And I, you know, one of the things I think I love about the show is I have a real reason now to dig into people's personal lives. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I have a show. (laughs) I was wondering why you started asking me all this personal questions. I think think the uh, desire for the show came from a real natural curiosity. And I don't think, I don't think you could do something like this if you didn't have a genuine natural curiosity into the lives of other other people. So I think that's that's where this came. So we were sitting on a towel. I, of course, was all bundled up in clothes. I never wear a bathing suit because I don't want the sun to hit my skin. It's um, I'm the same way. <laughs> I, I'm very fair skinned, you know, red hair, red blonde hair. And so I avoid the sun. And I was probably crouched under some, you know, tiny bit of shade that was available. And I got to meet our um, our guest in the studio today, Tiziana Trovati. And as we were talking, I was really, really fascinated by her story <clears throat> because she found her way to this country at 19 years of age. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her adventure as a young Italian girl that had a dream to come to America. And let's hear about that. Tiziana, welcome to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County. Thank you, Kimberly, for having me here. I'm so glad you came, and I'm so glad you were free to come. Mm -hmm. So bringing that on uh, the heels of a really wonderful weekend, we barbecued and relaxed and watched sunsets and, you know, enjoyed something that you can really only enjoy in the California lifestyle in the way that we have. So you've been lucky enough to be here now how many years? Well, I've been uh, in Orange County for 11 years, and prior to that, I lived in New York City, mm-hmm. and that's where mm-hmm. I, as ni- a 19-year-old dancer, I uh, decided that I grew up doing ballet, so I studied ballet uh, my, you know, since I was 8 years old, and uh, uh, later on, I decided that I 
you know, wouldn't necessarily have a career as a ballet dancer. So I like to uh, transfer into contemporary modern dancing. And of course, New York City is la mecca of the arts. So I was kind of pointing that direction. And I, my family had an acquaintance that lived there and she extended an invitation for me to you know, go and, you know, stay with her for a few weeks while I would, you know, look around. Yeah. So here I was on January 22nd, um, 1993, uh, on a plane with a suitcase and landing in New York City. It was probably one of the coldest uh, winters that I (laughs) experienced. Wow. Um, And uh, it was quite... uh, uh, obviously, a you know shocking transition. Of course, I grew up in mm-hmm. Milan, which is also a very cosmopolitan and mm-hmm. big town, but um, but nothing like New York. And here I was, and I didn't know anybody. And in the beginning, um, it was pretty harsh. I would probably spend. Of course, my English wasn't as good, but I, I still spoke English. Um, but I, sometimes I would spend days without talking to anybody. Like, oh. <laughs> it, so uh, it would. It was kind of sad. Were and you depressing. afraid to talk, or you just were? Um, no, you just everybody goes. You know, by their own business, and um, you know there were very, very many friendly people that I would meet, and I was just uh, hopping around dance studios around town. Uh, trying to find work? Trying to, no, trying to find... Uh, no, at that point, I was in the learning stage because here I had a thorough ballet background, but here I wanted to be a modern dancer. So you didn't cross over to modern dance until you got to New York. Correct. Oh, well, I'm, I'm being a... I'm very interested in ballet. It's something that I've always loved. And... Um, did ballet for a little while, certainly not as a professional, but just as a, you know, personal interest. What made you decide to to make that transition? Was ballet <clears throat> too competitive? Ballet was, yeah, way too competitive. I just, you know, at some point realized I just didn't have the body for it. You know, oh. you have, you know, to have a certain height, you know, and extensions and uh, flexibility and... Um, I just wasn't, you know, gifted with that. And so Tiziana is this beautiful, petite young <laughs> gal. <laughs> She's not a midget. I mean, <laughs> petite, really? Don't you think? Well, no. I think by, by ballet standards, I think you could be right. And ballet is one of those really harsh disciplines that you have to come with all the right equipment and or otherwise don't bother. You can enjoy it. You can practice it. But there is, it is pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Yeah. And I think um, uh, it will be helpful to uh, kind of be pushed into the system a little more, with a little more, you know, support from, you know, maybe the family or, you know, teachers and that. It's okay, you know. It wasn't meant to be, and I was meant to be to, you know, to, I, mean, I was meant to do something else. And here I was in New York, and I was going to find out about it. Right. So as I was hopping, you know, from studio to studio and experiencing different dance classes, I it was tough, you know. Like as I said, like you know, sometimes I'll take the same ballet class every morning at ten o'clock, and I'll be standing in the same spot in front of the same person every single morning, and no one will say hello to me. Until <laughs> yeah. finally, one day, uh, someone in the hallway, you know, walked 
by and recognized me and said, hello, how are you? And walked away. And I was, hi, by the way, I'm fine. Because <laughs> this person is walking away. Like, <laughs> So that was one of my le- first lessons. You know, in, in Italy, when somebody asks you, how are you? We mean it. And we're waiting for the answer. I and see. here, you know, it was, hi, how are you? It was just a way to greet someone. And I was... It was kind of funny because finally I got so excited. Somebody was talking to me and then walked away. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, I've never has said hi, how are you, and walked away. I think that might be just the New Yorker thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. You know, that said, it was you know I like a. I wish I could say that that was true, but I think I've done. I think I'm guilty. (laughs) I think I've done it. Hi, how are you? Yes, I can see. Yeah, not really stopping, but maybe, it, like you said, more of a just a refreshing greeting and not so much a, a conversation. Yeah, starter. if I see somebody I recognize <laughs> and I have to go out the door, it's usually, hi, I've got to see, you know, I'll talk to you later kind of thing. It's, I don't try to engage in conversation as I'm walking away. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but New York, you know, it's an amazing city, and but you find there's people just going from point A, point, point B, and everybody's really busy, and no one has time. So you kind of have to build a little bit of, um, you know, shell around yourself. And, you know, once you live there and you're fully immersed in that kind of lifestyle, you kind of become that way, too. So um, did you feel New York hardening you up a little bit? Most definitely. So uh, later on now, I'm going to jump back and forth. But just to tell you the story, when I first, very first moved to Southern California, and uh, I, you know, of course, in New York, you're always in a hurry. You're always, you know, and and things are fast paced. So you go to a Starbucks, boom, 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 you know, you get your drink like within a few minutes and grocery store, you know, the cashier just, you know, the checker just goes super fast and you pay and you're out of there. And here I moved to California in the first few weeks. I'm like in line at the grocery store and the checker is like da, 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 talking to the person ahead of me and, you know, asking how the week was and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like behind just like steaming, like boiling because it's so slow and I got to go. And, and then I was like, well, wait a minute. Really, where do I have to go right now? Because, I, you know, I just had moved here and it's like okay, I need to relax. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> so now when I go back to New York and I visit, now I get annoyed at the cashiers, you know, that don't even say hello and goodbye to you. <laughs> so there you go. It's just, uh, it's just a different a vibe. Different vibe. Different I call it a volume. Vibe. You know, when we lived in Australia, we had to dial our volume down way low just to fit in because <clears throat> we really expected things to happen at Orange County pace. But, um, but every city really exists at a different volume, and um, and adjusting to that isn't as easy as you might think, because yeah. it is a mindset. Well, with that said, when my experience with being, I used to do bag groceries when I one of my numerous jobs when I was younger, and uh, there are some checkers that you would they would talk so much one item would come down the conveyor about one at a time, and you're like, can you please <laughs> speed this up? <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, there are people that gavel too much but yeah i mean new york it would probably be a lot faster it's like they don't even want to look at you and then yeah that kind of yeah. thing what was that pace like taking on as a 19 year old in a new country well it was kind of frightening mm-hmm. but super exciting at the same time and once once thing little things started clicking i just felt i was on the top of the world because wow. i was there 
I was on my own and I was doing it. And what I mean by that, um, uh, you know, just to give an example here was, um, well, dancing doesn't really pay, you know, mm-hmm. your rent uh, unless you make it to a big modern dance company, which, you know, I you know never did. I mean, I, I dance for uh, a few dance companies, but you know, those that will just pay for the shows and not for the rehearsal time, which is, you know, most of the time that you spend. So, of course, I had odd jobs, you know, throughout the entire time that I lived in New York, such as, um, you know, waiting on tables. So, um, and I would have these super long days of, you know, waking up in the morning, going to dance class and maybe working at the desk at the dance studio where and I was part of and then crossing town go to a rehearsal and then crossing town again and at five o'clock here will start my second shift of the day I was a waitress so here I will put my apron on you know change my clothes pull my you know hair back up in a ponytail and I was waiting on tables till you know 11 midnight one o'clock in the morning and then I didn't have money to take a taxi, right? Because those are the money, little money that I just made. You wouldn't I didn't want to spend, want to spend, it, spend that way. it. So I would walk across town, like one or two o'clock in the morning, all by yourself, all by myself. But I just, I mean, I just felt I was doing it. You know, I was there. I was pursuing my dream, and I had such like that gave me so much strength and. Happiness and empowerment. Empowerment, for sure. And I mean, I'm fascinated by how you had to hold down so many jobs. One of the things you told me on the beach was how you slowly worked into the dance studios and gained their trust. Yes, and um, for sure, that was one of my. So I, I, you know, as we were talking, I said I have a beautiful immigrant story because here I was, a 19 coming to this country didn't know anybody and I finally chose a school that I really liked their style of dance and that's what I wanted to do that's what I wanted to study and they had um, a teacher's program and that they had one of the directors also own a company which I became a huge fan of and so that was my new dream I was gonna get into that dance company so I started attending classes and making friends and uh, somebody introduced me as you know the possibility the possibility of uh, cleaning the studio after hours in exchange mm-hmm. for dance classes so I did that for you so know, you saved money but you also added I now job, really. right I was exactly I wasn't paying for dance classes anymore because I was cleaning the studio afterwards and after a while, I, um, I guess they saw how, you know, precise and punctual and... Reliable. Reliable it was. You were telling me also that you were a bit of a neat freak. So was that alive and well back then too? <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, they decided to train me for the little coffee shop they had inside the dance studio. So now I was touching money and things. And um, once again, they recognize how I was honest and you know I was you know very organized and uh, then they trusted me enough to train me to work at the front desk so now I was dealing with bigger money and phone calls and line of people signing up for classes and uh, then eventually long story short I uh, became one of the managers Um, you know I was closing the studio um, 
uh, on Wednesdays and the had keys, uh, had to, keys the to, the, to the castle. I was the opening. Uh, I was actually the only manager on Saturdays. Uh, and I had um, the code to the safe. And uh, it was just a very... 648235. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was very uh, touching, you know, to me that here I am, like no one knew me really. And just because... Nobody vouching for you. Yeah. And just because they... Um, saw, you know, my integrity and my hard working. And your work uh, ethic really shined through. Yeah. And I just, um, yeah, it was just, it was very rewarding. What do you attribute your work ethic to? Probably the way I was brought up. Mm -hmm. My family. Do you think that was cultural, an Italian cultural thing or just maybe just your own family values? I couldn't say that that's an Italian thing, um, but, you know, definitely my family. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I was brought up to be very disciplined and responsible, and um, so, and I guess you just learn. So what was the window as far as, like, when you began just cleaning there, and then your coffee, and then... Oh, within a year. Oh, within a year. 14 years. (laughs) No, within a year. Within a year. And, uh, you know, in the same time, I took their course to become a teacher. So I got certified Mm -hmm. to teach dance. And so eventually, within a couple of years, I was on staff. I was uh, teaching so were you able? Classes. Were you able to like maybe quit some of your other jobs as waitressing, or were you still working the front I desk? I was still, I was still doing it all. Oh, okay. I was still doing it all. At and one point, how many jobs, different jobs, did you hold? Um. Well, I would say maybe three. See, children, wow. let that be a lesson to you: <laughs> what it takes to make it in life today. Well, the thing though, too, is like the thing that I've never understood was um, I've tried applying for a job while I had another job, and then during the job interview, the employer would just completely freak out. Well, what if I need you this this is this time? And I'm like, well, it's you know, my other job is mostly at night. I mean, you'll have me all morning, and then those job interviews never go very well. Like, I don't know how were you able to add a second and third when. Well, I, I, that's why they're called odd jobs, right? So yeah. the babysitting and the, mm-hmm. you know, being the assistant to a, a professor, that was only, you know, once a week. Oh, okay. uh, the babysitting was, you know, on and off, you know, sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the waitressing was definitely more stable. And then, but that was in the evenings. And so I had the day to organize my schedule, either working at the front desk or working um, or taking my dance classes or rehearsing for my, you know, shows. So That's so interesting. Well, if you're just tuning in to us, this is Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, 88.9 FM, KUCI here in Irvine. And we are with uh, Tiziana Trovati. She is the owner of a Pilates in, um, studio in Orange called Trovati Pilates. And um, we're hearing about her story as an Italian immigrant. And um, she's carrying us through her story as she transitioned from one country to another and found home in New York and became a modern dancer. Um, who were some of the players at the time, the big dance companies that we might all know well I as I mentioned before I never really made it into like an Alvin Ailey or a Martha Graham you know kind Bella of you know, or... right but I yeah I danced for the company at dance space um, and that's one of the biggest you know studios dance in, space dance space in New York uh-huh. City 
and I danced for uh, the director of the studio and the company and other, you know, smaller um, modern dance, you know, crews. And what, uh, is, what is the life of a dancer like then? Is this, so are you, the life that you've described so far, is this the majority of what they all experience so that they can pursue their passion as a dancer? Or, um, I mean, did, do you feel that yeah, most people experienced I mean, it the way you did? I, I, I'm, I'm sure the time that I was there, I mean, we're talking now, 20, 20 years ago, <laughs> uh, definitely, most definitely so. And like even, you know, now when I, you know, go back to New York, you know, most waiters, there are definitely artists, you know, they're actors or they're very you know, creative very people. Creative people. But... They're just, you know, um, no one is a real professional waiter in New York, really hard to find. But uh, I think that's, you know, a big part of what people do. So that they can pursue their so passion their by passions, day. Yeah. And then do you just have to quit your regular jobs when a performance comes up and you're having to devote all your attention to it? or No, you just carve out, you know, um, the schedule. You know, you just, just, I mean, you know, I think any job has a little bit of flexibility. You know, yeah, you can you just say, say I'm not available yeah, to that stay weekend, this day. Yeah, yeah, that weekend I'm performing. So, so you could never really pursue a second career or even develop a second career because your first love and, and your first master was to the dance and what when it when yeah. where it carried I you. mean, I did, uh, I did the Pilates, you know. I First, I was just a Pilates. I would, I would take Pilates to, you know, produce, you know, uh, help my dancing. And then when I decided through teaching dance, I decided that I was going to be a teacher for movement because oh. I loved doing that. Just you love teaching. I love teaching uh, movement in particular, but yeah, teaching. And I, you know, I one day I basically put together. Wait, wait a minute! I've been doing Pilates, Pilates for so many years, and I love it. And I love teaching. Why don't I just get certified to teach dance? So then, you know, of course, my life, you know, I had to change a little bit because I had to put myself through the Pilates school. And, and the Pilates uh, school was in New York, right? In New York, yeah. I got very fortunate. I got to study with the heir of the Pilates method. So when Joseph Pilates died in 1967, he asked my master teacher, whose name is Romana Krizanovska, uh, he asked her to carry on the method. So I actually come from the classical Pilates, from this, you know, school, you know, uh, left behind by Joseph Pilates. Um, was she one of those Pilates elders that yes, you would say? But, yes, um, definitely, definitely. Well, let's tell our listeners exactly what Pilates is because I think, I think what we have now is is Pilates in a very different form than the way Joseph Pilates designed it to be, and so um, I'm I'm fascinated because I I'm a bit of a purist, and being that I did ballet for so many years, um, I found his work to be rather healing for dancers. Um, now I had thought, and it was erroneous, but you corrected me on the beach. I thought he had developed it as a way to help dancers heal and also strengthen, um, but heal from injury. So t tell me a little, so I did a little research. So tell me a little bit about right, right. Well, a plot is really simple, simply said it's uh, stretching and strengthening, strengthening, sorry, with control and the control comes from what Joseph Pilates called the powerhouse and the powerhouse is your core 
So uh, as Joseph Pilates developed the me- method or started developing the method in the 1920s, you know, that's how far, you know, long mm-hmm. ago it was and, um, you know, coded the, the, the word uh, powerhouse. Now these days, you know, you hear a lot about the core, how important the core is, uh, the strength of the core is, you know, to enhance your life and your ability to uh, move properly in space and have the right posture and then to play sports and just be offset an injury as well yes for sure for sure so he (laughs) he was like a like a old school let's say uh physical uh trainer so to speak and uh, he was a boxer and a wrestler and a swimmer and a diver would we call him an athlete he he was (laughs) definitely an athlete yes for sure and uh so he started, um, you know, developing this, you know, weird machines and pulleys and straps and, um, you know, to basically enhance and develop and uh, rebalance muscles that, um, you know, to help people, you know. He, it, it said that he called his work Controlology. Controlology, yes. Controlology. The, yeah, okay. Controlology or the art of control. So he didn't, he didn't call his own work Pilates. Right. We quoted that. Right. He, he <laughs> called it Controlology, and that's what he meant because of, as I mentioned, it, it's, you know, a lot of strengthening and stretching, but it's through the control of the powerhouse. The, integra- the mm-hmm. comprehensive integration of body, mind, and spirit. Was mm-hmm. he a spiritual person or a religious man? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think that means more like uh, in order to do Pilates, you have to be very focused. Okay. So it's not the mindless, uh, you know, bicep curls that you do at the gym while you think about what I'm going to be making for dinner. Right. Uh, right. But it, it's like there's a lot of focused intent of which muscles, you know, to use and the, the correct form. And so it's a pretty meticulous Workout if you do it the correct way and the original way. I know there's a lot of, you know, Pilates, you know, classes out there where you just, it's turned, unfortunately, turned more into like a, you know, white stream, you know, kind of a workout. But if well, done properly, is definitely engaging the mind. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, because when I was first introduced to Pilates, it was through a girlfriend who, who did a lot of study in this, and she only used the reformer. And the reformer is just, it looks really more like a contraption. It's a table Mm -hmm. with lots of gears and pulleys and springs, and um, it looks actually a little daunting. But is that, was everything that he developed based on the use of that reformer? Absolutely not. Um, um, If you came to my studio, you'll, uh, you know, get to see and experience, you know, all the different uh, equipment. But... Uh, the reformer was just, uh, you know, I would say it's the bread and butter of Pilates, but really he created the reformer to facilitate um, the mat exercises. So the reformer w- with the system of the springs and the, the straps will help you, you know, achieve those uh, exercises that you would do on the mat Um you know, without the support of the reformer. But they also go hand in hand, the mat work, you know, and the reformer, they go hand in hand. But besides that, there's other equipment that he created. Well, would it be um, like comparing a ballerina's use of the bar and then uh, floor work in the middle of the floor? 
Yeah, that's actually, I like that. I definitely like that. So, you know, kind of one helps the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, of course, you know, there's uh, the Cadillac, there's a high chair and a Wanda chair. And a oh, tell me about the Cadillac. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, um, according to stories, uh, the Cadillac, uh, well, it's, like, it's kind of like a trap table, like or some you know, um, some people call it the trap table. So it's like it's a, important it's to a, mention it's, now it's that a, uh, Pilates' origin was German. <laughs> a yes. lot of austere equipment. Uh-huh. <laughs> Am I going to get in trouble for that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> what I was thinking, I was going to say, would you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think you should say what you were. Gonna I'm say. not going to say what I'm going to say. <laughs> I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. <laughs> All right, so back to the Cadillac. The Cadillac I'm is a table, and it has uh, four poles that surround surround it. Kind of, they're part of the contraction, and there's springs attached. And then there's a bar with the springs. So it's kind of uh, uh, difficult to describe it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it was uh, called the Cadillac by one of Joseph Pilates' uh, clients who thought that it was uh, a lot of exercises are very stretchy, like, and so he felt like comfy, like you know, like a Cadillac. That's, oh, okay. that's the name. Do you that's have a name. piece of equipment like the Cadillac? I do have the Cadillac. Okay. I don't like the Cadillac. I, you have the I, Cadillac. I had the Cadillac. <laughs> and so the Cadillac is different than the chair you referenced? Yeah, there's a high chair and then there's the Wanda chair. So different different pieces of equipment uh, work kind of like the same muscle because it's, okay, let's not forget the Pilates is like a full body conditioning. So there's not one exercise that's only good for one thing. So um, Romana used to tell us uh, stories about Joseph Pilates all the time, and uh, such as people asking, I know the uh, Joseph Pilates used to be called Uncle Joe, so they'll say, Uncle Joe, what is this exercise good for? And he'll you know he'll reply the saying, core. No, this is good for the body because mm. every exercise engages. Uh, see, I keep bumping the the thing because I'm oh, Italian. Oh, I thought that was an earthquake. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Italian, and I and I talk Tiziana with my hands. is speaking with her hands and her whole body. <laughs> I'm sure she hasn't sat still the whole time she's been in here. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I give people the the swivel chairs because sometimes you just need to move and yeah, speak at the same just time. Like a rocking. There goes Heather. Soothing. She's moving. Um, well, you did say though that movement was important earlier, and so maybe you're just giving us an example in the studio of 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 why mm-hmm. we're not meant to be still mm-hmm. well you said something earlier about um the real pilates is different than what we see now i'm really interested in you describing that did did all the movements build upon each other or the previous movement were they meant to be done in order yes uh basically with the classical pilates uh, teachers or you know what we teach is what joseph pilates how he wrote it how he created it we didn't we, we are keeping the method uh, authentic. Okay. And, Give me some examples of what um, that is. He wrote a book, and we're following his book. Um, he, you know, there's definitely uh, a routine, and the routine will change depending if you're a beginner, an intermediate, or an advanced student, and the, the routine will change, you know, if you have injuries. But uh, other than that, it's a set script. And you basically just, you know, through repetition, that's how you improve and you, 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 you know, you improve and you improve your level so you can do more difficult exercises. But, um, what was the name of the book? 
uh, return to life. Return to life. Mm-hmm. And um, so he wrote this in a time. Was it, I mean, what, how was he received at his time? Well, I wasn't around then. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but... I didn't think you could be I, telling me some first-hand experience. But, but. Uh, um, it's actually, it's a crack-up when I read it years ago. It's a very military, military tone of voice and very, uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, you it's know, like for, highly regimented? Yeah, or? like the way he speaks. You must exercise in order to achieve happiness. If you never exercise exercise you'll never be happy <laughs> so you know well, might, his, it might have bared out to be correct actually mm-hmm. yeah Especially i mean exercise does help with uh, uh, depression for me at least yeah? and um sure. i know in his air though like the only thing that comes to mind in, in his era would be when uh babe ruth wanted to lose weight in like 1932 or 1931 mm-hmm. he chopped wood and so i mean there really wasn't really a lot of like targeted exercising and so pilates was probably far ahead of his time in the early 30s. Absolutely. And I have a wonderful video uh, of the method uh, where Joseph Pilates, you know, shows that Joseph Pilates instructing in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and it's just really uh, precious to see. To watch him. Yeah, what said he developed this while he was forced in um, to internment camps at the outbreak of the World War World War One. He was in England. Even though he was German-born, he was in England. And that that's how he started the floor exercises. That is what has become the Pilates mat work. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, I looked up the reformer machine on Google Images. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the things you can do with it remind me a lot of, like, generic exercise equipment. How much has, um, you know, like, how much has this kind of, like, been, what, what do you, would the word be, like, um just kind of let's become wouldn't you say that it's become generic do you think maybe everything was then modeled after his design i would say how much of pilates would be assimilated to other types of workouts oh i'm sure it's been copied uh i mean it, it, it's not, yeah. it has been copied and 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 done but i think when you do the classical and the authentic method you just uh you know the teacher the instructor will just keep the intention yeah, uh, authentic. So uh, there, the, the I think there's uh, a key role played by the teacher, the instructor, mm-hmm. where you know it's not just you know showing you like jumping jacks, you know, what you would do in an aerobic class, but yeah. it's actually focusing, you know, and making you do the movement. There's an order corrector. to it. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and um, form. The yeah. form is very important yeah. in the... And, and most of the motions in Pilates are very slow. Back to the contrology, they're slow and controlled. It's not like an aerobics exercise where you're flailing your hands yeah, about. But that's um, that's more in the beginning as you advance. So like when you become more advanced or, you know, super advanced level, uh, it becomes... A, a level I haven't seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> you become, I mean, you'll, uh, you'll get somewhat of aerobic uh, exercise because one of the six principles also uh, that Joseph Pilates was, you know, uh, instructing and teaching and... It's the flow. So if you keep the flow, you know, at a more advanced level, then you'll definitely break a sweat and uh, it becomes mm, more, you know, somewhat aerobic. Aerobic. What Uh are the six principles? There's uh, uh, centering. Okay. uh, Control. Um, Am I quizzing you? 
Yeah, we're just like I'm totally blanking on oh, my Thursday. We'll come around to that. Yeah, I was going to ask you like how the, the are, breath precision and flow. Breath precision and flow. I was going to ask you as well, like um, if you just start Pilates, how long does it take to start doing more and more like difficult things? Well, that depends on the person. Yeah, I like people that start like new, you know, uh, students, beginners. You know, ask me that all the time, and and it becomes, you know, it depends on where you're starting from and yeah. uh, how how quick you know you are learning and how coordinated you are and how in tune with your body you are or might not be, but you'll have to de- develop that so if you're um, just tuning in this is Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County and we are talking to uh, Tiziana Trovati she is the owner of Trovati Pilates in Orange and um, in just a minute she's going to tell us what it was like to uh, well obviously we've heard the story so far of her as an, a young Italian immigrant moving to New York to dance in the modern dance world and then on to Orange County and um, how she became a studio owner in Pilates formed a career for herself um, I want to ask one more question about the Pilates thing what is missing in some of these um, regimens that are Pilates-like in today's, because it sounds to me like um, like your studio is is more of a purist form. It sounds to me well, like you've it doesn't taken, sound. It is. It is. <laughs> ah, see, so okay. let, let me let me tell you in one word what those other <laughs> Pilates like, wanna be are missing. Okay, they're missing. Pilates. I see. <laughs> <laughs> because we, I'll never forget, I had this one girlfriend call me up and she goes, oh my gosh, there's this wonderful new exercise. I'm driving all the way up to Santa Monica for it. It's called Pilates. And um, <laughs> and I kept listening to her and I thought, oh, I don't know how I'm going to correct her. But um, I just kept saying it properly. And I'm, oh, you mean, you know, I think I think you're referring to Pilates and it is wonderful. <laughs> I know that wasn't me because I didn't. <laughs> I have a horrible pronunciation issue. Well. So. I yeah. doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that. You wouldn't mind being corrected. But okay, so what tell me what the key thing that's missing is it is it they they say it's based on Pilates. I know you legally you cannot use the Pilates name. Oh now you can because we used to own it. The association that I belong to used to own it. And then uh we lost a long lawsuit and uh that was uh over ten years ago I think and ever since Pilates ha- has become a common place. A common name. name. Yeah, just like yoga. So it's hard to defend. But I think it, it comes down to the public to be informed and uh, to do a little research and decide for themselves. I'm not saying that other form of exercises are, you know, bad for you. You know, no. they might be wonderful, might be better for you than the authentic Pilates. Mm-hmm. But uh, Romana always said... Um, you know, if it wasn't created by Joseph Pilates, don't call it Pilates. And it right. might be another fair. form of exercise and might be even better or get than your own Pilates. Name. But don't call it Pilates because it wasn't created by Joseph Pilates. And right. so I obviously I was, you know, one of her uh, protégés. Uh, protégés at the time. And I just um, carry on. The legacy, you know. As a beginner, though, when you want to start Pilates, how do you, where's the BS detector as far as this isn't like a real Pilates studio that doesn't do your methods? Uh, I just uh, search it online, read uh-huh. about the studio where they were trained, and ask questions. Okay. But, I mean, would you just, like, ask your questions based on the research you did online, or... I mean, where, where would be the right questions to ask? Um, 
that's a good question. <laughs> well, for uh, the listeners, you know, you can check out uh, the the website at romanaspolaris.com or truepolatisnewyork.com uh, and you can, you know, get the real information. You can find studios and instructors around the world. Oh, okay. That teach the, the original, the original Pilates. Pilates. So Romana has a website. Yeah, Romana's Pilates. There's also another uh, website. It's called classicalpilates.com. Is Romana Pilates the last remaining of the of the legacy of Joseph Pilates? Um, well, as, you know, she always said, you know, Joseph Pilates left me the method. Like, he asked her to carry on the le- legacy and the method. Right. Um, as you read about, you know, Pilates, there's other el- elderlies, you uh, know, that, elders, you know yeah. Yeah, elders that study with him. Thank you. And... Uh, um, so there's there's few around, um, not very many, uh, and of course uh, each one of them you know wants to share whatever you know Joseph Pilates right, right. taught them you know might be a little bit different than you know Romana experience. But now we have st- still a little more time to talk about how you became a studio owner, but I don't want us to miss out on talking about Pilatesology as well because that's an online resource where people can go and download a workout right they can they yeah, can go on to a free I, trial and yes, download a workout it's a wonderful way uh, so what sets us apart from other uh, downloadable workouts is that we are the only uh, classical pilates uh, website okay and um, there's a number of teachers they're all classically trained and there's tons of workouts uh, that you can either do, um, you know, with a mat at home, you know, with little weights um, if you don't have the equipment. But then there's also more technical stuff. And then there's also a part of the website dedicated uh, to teachers. So it's... Uh, For people that want to learn to teach Pilates? Uh, no, it's, you know, teachers that don't have the chance, you know, maybe they never studied the classical method or maybe they've taken a few lessons, but they don't have the chance to study or they don't have the experience that we had, you know, studying with Romana. I see. And um, so it's a, very a wonderful... rich experience yes, indeed. Yes, yeah. and it's only $19 a month uh, if you wanted to subscribe. They also have a free trial for 10 days if you want to check it out. And um, it's wonderful. Like, people can drop, you know, a line, you know, a comment, you know, to classes. And I receive a little thank you uh, emails from all over the world. It's wow. uh, quite... Um, That's a rewarding. Yeah, very rewarding. Very How rewarding. long ago did you open your studio? Uh, I opened Trivadi Pilates Works in 2001. So oh, so you've been at it for a long time. 11 years, yeah. Wow. I got certified in 98. Certified in back in New York. Yeah. And then what brought you out west? Uh, I guess mostly uh, I was looking for a change in... Um, the weather? The weather. <laughs> no, I'm <teasing. laughs> No, for I sure. That was part of it. <laughs> Just like a lifestyle. I see. I, I think New York is a, an amazing city, and it's the city that never sleeps, but... You needed when to take you, a rest. When you, <laughs> when you run it, you know, then you never sleep either. And it just became, um, it became uh, tiring. And right. I wanted to kind of grow up. I wanted to open my own business. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to have a better quality of life. Right. 
and and play volleyball um, on the beach on the weekends. Yeah, I didn't even know I was gonna do that, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's definitely become my substitute for dancing. I think. <laughs> Um, I don't want to not have the chance. I mean, I love the discussion of Pilates, but one of the things that I giggled about so much was um, dinner time as an Italian and how you do the comparison between uh, the way the Italians eat very slowly, course by course, and then what it was like coming here to America where it's all served at once and it's a big, um, you know, chow fest. <laughs> and then your friends look at you if you're not done in time. <laughs> if you didn't finish in 30 seconds. I know I'm experiencing that with my boyfriend currently. He wolves down his food and I'm like not even halfway through You haven't even mine. taken your first bite yet. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, yeah, funny, my first funny story was when I, I had my first babysitting job. I had to, uh, about 5 o'clock or between 5 and 6, six I had to make food for the kids. Ah, and I this was, was in New York? That was back in New York. And I was very puzzled <laughs> because <laughs> back at home, uh, mom made dinner. Or I would help her, you know, as I got a little older, I will help, you know, making dinner. But dinner was definitely, and I don't come from like a big, you know, Italian, you know, family with, you know, lots of people and sitting down at a round table. But um, but still, you know, dinner was an important part of the day, you know, was when, you know, we sat at a table and talked about the day and, you know, things. And uh, it was always, you know, home cooked. Right. And here I, I, you know, I come to New York and I had to make special food for the kids. For and each child? or No, 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 no. But it was just puzzling to me because I couldn't understand why they couldn't eat adult Food. Oh, they were on the chicken nugget plan. Yeah, yeah. And that really <laughs> bothers painful. me. So if I'll ever have children, that won't happen in my household. No, <laughs> so you had no, like frozen no. chicken nuggets that you put on the platter or something? Right. Or? And oh, yeah, wow. Plain steamed bro- broccoli. And I'm like, no wonder you don't like broccoli. You know, what about putting olive oil and salt and, and, you know, and something, you know? Something so, fabulous. Yeah. And so to me, I think uh, maybe because of my culture, you know, dinner time is uh, important. I mean, um, I, I don't have a family. I, I don't have children. But uh, whenever I'm in a relationship, I definitely enjoy the shopping and the cooking. I pretty much go to the store every day or every other day. My friends That's tease me. very European but, style. But I like it because I don't know when I'm going to want to eat tomorrow. And I don't want to, you know, eat food that's been sitting in my refrigerator for a week. So, um, and I make time to cook and, and I make time to sit down. It's very important to I me. I thought I was the only one that checked out of the grocery store five, uh, five items constantly every day. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad okay, there's I'm others. Yes. I love that you do that, Heather. You go and figure out what you're going to eat. Well, I always, yeah, I always just don't want to have food sitting around for too long because I I go through it quite, you know, I mean, I forget about it, honestly, right? if I don't eat it right away, so. Yeah, you can get yourself into a pattern where you're throwing away more than you're... More than you should. I'm really fickle, and so if I don't remember it in a couple days, I'll forget it's back there, and then it's kind of gone to waste anyway, so, yeah. Well, Heather, what I really want to know is, have, have we inspired you to try Pilates the authentic way? <laughs> yes, I do have a back injury, and uh, um, it's a pretty severe one. And so I was on workers' comp for two years. Oh. And then um, basically, um, a friend of mine is a teacher at 
Chapman for physical therapy and the and the two physical therapy students for helping me strengthen my core. And it's something I've I've been doing a little bit with yoga, but then it's just like I've been doing exercises pretty much like three three or maybe two or three times a week. So I mean it, it's helped out quite a bit. It counterbalances the um not you know, putting your feet on the ground and not knowing what you'll get, which is right. when an injury first happened. Right. That's what kind of went I went through. So, well, yeah, I totally it, want to do Pilates. It's your lucky day because I just happened to have a mat in the trunk of my car. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> are you going to are you are we going to walk out of the studio here and show us a couple of your moves? Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, fortunately, the studio here at KUCI is carpeted on the floor. We might just uh-huh. get Heather down down to earth and see what happens. Are the hundreds still a big part of that? Uh, that's our warm-up exercise, absolutely. Is the hundreds. So imagine yourself doing a hundred little mini roll-up, sit-up type things. Uh, how would you describe no, the hundreds? No, it sounds very I, daunting at first, but you can get through it. No, it's amazing. the hundred is the, it's the pumping of the arms and the breath. While so, your legs are up in the air yeah, and you're and your in a contracted and position. Up, yeah. yeah, and you do move that. So your upper abdominals are contracted, your lower abdominals are contracted, and... Every muscle in your body is contracted. contracted. And you're breathing. Yeah, it's very simple. You're and it's funny because every every morning I get to my studio and it's like, okay, let's start with 100. And my clients go, darn, you never forget that. <laughs> do, do they not like that? Because that seems to be a big part of the Pilates. Yeah, method. I don't think anyone likes the 100. <laughs> I don't mind it, but a lot of people kind of had a love and hate relationship more. So. That's right, right. Well, Tiziana Trovati, it's been an absolute delight having you in the studio today telling us about your adorable transition as a sweet little Italian girl to the United States and what that was like. And But more importantly, my takeaway from today is how you pulled yourself together, this eloquent young woman in New York all by herself, sometimes not talking to anybody, but really taking uh, two, three, and many extra odd jobs to make it happen and build a life for yourself definitely to be admired. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you, Kimberly, so much. It was my pleasure to be here. And thank you, Heather. Yeah, you're (laughs) welcome. I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right. Until next time. Yeah. And then Counterspin is coming up next. And then Matt Kaplan, Paranormal Terry Radio at 530. And music continues with Things That Are Squared at 6. And stay tuned next for this uh, medical moment.